Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. He may not have passed the bar, but Joe Fortenbaugh certainly doing all right. Not even hosting his own show on the last day of Joe and Amber. Amber also not here, but she's doing all right, too. She's a lawyer. She's just fine. This is Joe and Amber, as we said, on ESPN Radio. ESPN app, Courtney Cronin and Tyler Fulgham filling in for our friends. Tyler, T-minus 57 minutes until you are scooting out the door to Joe Fortenbaugh's house for your going away party. I believe there's caviar and champagne. Cannot confirm, but I heard that's waiting on you. Yeah, that's what I've been told, so anything less would be uncivilized by uh, Fortenbaugh. We now know uh, he saved a bunch of money not finishing law school and made even more playing online poker. So, yes, caviar and Dom better be waiting, my friend. Yeah, Joe, if you're listening, be sure to pony up on that because Tyler is uh, doing the heavy lifting here on this Friday (laughs) night. Joe and Amber presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. What's uncivilized in the eyes of many is conference realignment. It continues to happen again and again and again. The news of the day, the ACC welcoming Stanford, Cal, and SMU leaving two teams in the once conference once known as the Pac-12. It's now the Pac-2 with Washington State and Oregon State. Plenty to unpack here. Why did this happen why today? Here's Trevor Maddich, ESPN College football analyst, on why the ACC made this move. This is inoculation. They don't want to become like the Pac-12, Good you know, point. where you have some teams leave, some of them unexpectedly, and all of a sudden, the Pac-12 after this football season will disappear in a shower of sparks. Just poof, and they're gone. So the ACC is looking at this. And by bringing in those teams... What they do is they pad their roster of teams so that if somebody's able to figure out contractually how to get out of the grant of rights right. before 2036, <laughs> and if they end up uh, at 2036, if somebody is mad enough to leave, and several are, they still have guys there. You, you bring them in now, it, it pads your roster in case you have an exodus so that you don't go poof in the shower of sparks like the Pac-12. That 2036 date that Trevor Maddich, ESPN College football analyst, is referring to is when the media rights deal in the ACC is up. Why does that matter? Because what the genesis of all of this is, is money. It's media rights deals. It's super conferences forming. And Tyler, college football is kicking off right now. Louisville and Georgia Tech down in Georgia tonight, the AFLAC kickoff game. We've got a ton of games tomorrow. College football will be fine in all of this. That sport generates a ton of money. But when I think about conference realignment, I think about the people who become the casualties of this happening. It's everybody who plays a non-revenue sport. Yes, basketball even is going to be affected by this. We know that the NCAA men's tournament, of course, for Power 5 conferences, those teams that make the tournament, there's a payout there. But the schedule that you're going to be putting on these student-athletes, and I don't even want to call them student-athletes anymore because what we're asking college athletes to do 
within the parameters of conference realignment is absurd because the travel's <laughs> going to be nuts. The conf- the college field that they were probably signing up for before presidents and chancellors got involved and got money hungry in this, it's not going to be the same. And they're the ones who hurt at the end of the day throughout all of this. College football will be fine. It's a sport that's played once a week. It's a sport that generates a ton of revenue. But all the other sports end up being the ones that lose in all of this. Yeah, that's the collateral damage, and it's really unfortunate for volleyball players or soccer players or baseball players who made a decision to go to a certain regional school because it'd be easy for their family to come visit and watch them play. And now that could potentially be changing where the family will get to see fewer games uh, because they, they, they can't afford or cannot travel for whatever reason these cross-country distances. I mean, Stanford and Cal playing in the ACC. I mean, NC State versus... Um, you know, Cal, that is a, what, 4,000-mile trip? I don't know. The I, nearest I know. school to those Bay Area institutions is the one that's currently playing college football right now. That's Louisville. That's still 2,000 oh, miles. I mean, it's, it's absolutely bonkers. I, we understand why. College football is the king because it generates the most revenue. It's a business. It's a, it is a business. It's not an amateur sport for entertainment. It is a business like tech is. It's a business like medicine is. It's a business like sales is. It's a business like media, like we work in, Courtney, is. So um, college football is a business, and we realize uh, in the modern uh, media landscape that we live in what's going to generate the most revenue. So these super conferences have formed, and it creates collateral damage. And you're right, like basketball, like basketball is going to be fine, obviously, because they generate enough a healthy portion of revenue themselves. But now, I mean, like, these basketball rivalries are being ripped to shreds, and these basketball teams are – because they don't play once a week. They play two or three times a week during the regular season, Courtney, Um, and that is going to be a lot of travel for these students – who also double as, let's not call them amateur athletes anymore because they can make money off their likeness. They are semi-professional athletes as well. And that changes what the experience is. And I do wonder, with student athletes, I'm going to use it for now because I'm thinking about the high school kids, the ones who are getting recruited, and let's take football out of this equation for now. If there's so much travel that's going to be involved, will this change how – prospective athletes view where they're going to go. Like, football's one thing. Of course. You know, what about four cross-country trips for the soccer team in a season? Where, if you go to Cal, Stanford, SMU, all schools with, like, high academic demands, you know, the rigors of being a Division I athlete is one thing. How much more challenging that gets when you're doing homework and having study hall in the airport that you're going to to get from one place to another? Like, yeah, it's easy to hop around at a pl- on a plane at that age. Nobody's saying that you know these student athletes can't handle that, but it's not easy to do that and keep your mind, your body capable of withstanding the demands that academics and athletics require on a week in and week out basis. So, I mean, they're the losers in all of this. It's absolutely atrocious to see that this is what's happened with conference realignment, but the money, like the presidents, the chancellors, 
by their actions, they've shown you that it yeah. really doesn't matter about the student-athlete experience anymore. This is about generating super conferences, generating the most revenue, the best TV deals, because if you don't have that, your conference falls apart, <laughs> i.e. the Pac-12. And you've got two teams remaining there. Like, is anybody except me concerned about Washington State and Oregon State and where they're going to go? Because right now, their only path is probably to the Mountain West. But think about the financial hit that they're taking, the amount of money that they were expecting to get in payouts from the Pac-12, from not only football, but all the other sports. It's There's so many people caught in the line of fire by conference realignment and football will probably end up having to break off and do its own thing down the line in order to save college sports as we know it. Because what we know right now is that college football can stand on its own. All of these other sports, these schools could be in position at some point where these sports are getting eliminated from certain schools based on the cost and really based on the return on investment that they have with recruiting, with the athletes they bring in, and also what they're able to sustain, given how the dynamic of the landscape geographically is changing. All right, so speaking of college football, it's back, obviously. We want you to tune in tomorrow. Virginia battling Tennessee. This is Virginia's first game since the tragic loss of three players last year in a shooting. That coverage begins 11.30 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Certainly going to be a good one. Coming up next, we're going to get into some more potentially surprising NFL storylines, this time switching conferences over to the NFC. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What perfect music to send us into Labor Day with. Well done, guys. Happy weekend. Happy last weekend of summer. College football's back. NFL on the horizon. Right now you got Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Courtney Cronin, Tyler Fulgham sitting in for our friends on this Friday before Labor Day. I was just asking the guys during the break, like, do we actually celebrate Labor Day with anything other than not working? Some of us will be working, but there's no 
that there's no other tradition outside of not wearing white after Labor Day, which is dumb, and we're going to get into that later. Like, it's just, it's a holiday that, I mean, it's only celebrated by some. Am I right, Tyler? Because I feel like most people end up having to work. Well, yeah, my theory on, like, these fringe holidays is that just by and large, people want any excuse not to show up to work. I mean, I know, like, you know, banks and some other types of institutions, they take every possible holiday that uh, the government will offer. But I, I, if I don't have to work, I'm celebrating. And thankfully, I'll, I won't be working on uh, Monday as we're gearing up to move uh, the production of Daily Wager from Las Vegas to Bristol, Connecticut. I will be packing to travel um, to Bristol and uh, uh, get ready for rehearsals and the first show on Thursday, September 7th, before kickoff of that Chiefs-Lions game. So I, I'll be celebrating, I'm using air quotes, um, by not working and uh, uh, maybe I'll crack open a beer or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, the uh, packing's, packing's work. Don't, I'll be packing white pants. I'll be packing white pants too, Courtney. Uh, you should because we're both going to kick the do not wear white <laughs> after Labor Day rule into the ocean uh, because that's where it belongs. And uh, it's just something that's really dumb. But you will be working. We will be working. And we've got you covered here on everything that's going to happen week one of college football right here on ESPN Radio. So this time next week, we're going to be talking a lot more NFL. So we figured it'd be time to bring back our great segment of Would You Be Surprised If? It's our little NFC edition. Welcome in producer extraordinaire James Steele to whip through some of these storylines. Where are we starting? Yeah, I'm working now. I'll be working on Monday. No Labor Day off. Me too. You and I are going to be working together Monday, keeping each other company. The content never stops. No, it doesn't. All right. So the worldwide leader for a reason. So, Tyler, would you be surprised if the Saints challenge for the number one seed in the NFC? I would be surprised if they challenge for the number one seed in the NFC. If they win the NFC South, that's different. Wouldn't be surprising. But if they are up there with San Francisco, Philadelphia, and, and Dallas, uh, challenging to be the number one overall seed in the NFC, that would shock me. I think they have upgraded at quarterback with Derek Carr, but not in such a significant fashion that it can compare uh, with Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott or the overall talent. And maybe Brock Purdy now needs to be included in that. We'll see of the San Francisco 49ers. So yes, it would surprise me greatly if they were competing for that one seed. I would be downright shocked. Color me shocked if this happens. The Saints are in a wide-open division. I understand that. They very well may win the NFC South. I have Atlanta winning that, but it's as wide open as the NFC North, so very strange things can happen this year. That'll change all of our picks. But the Eagles showed us something last year, and yes, they don't have either of their coordinators that led them to the Super Bowl, but they still have Jalen Hurts. They still have a lot of pieces on this defense that just locked and reloaded all of its pieces up front and in the secondary, too. I can't think of anybody other than the Eagles getting the number one overall seed. Teams that will challenge them, the San Francisco 49ers, the Dallas Cowboys, maybe, maybe, maybe the Seattle Seahawks. Like, yeah. I see, like, no, I, I'm, 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 like, trying to, like, pick I don't think that's straw. crazy at all. I'm grasping at straws at here, though, because it's such a top-heavy conference that I don't have any the Saints anywhere near, like, the top five, top yeah. six teams that could I, push for that number one seed. Absolutely agree with that. Okay, what's next? All right, you mentioned the Atlanta Falcons. So, Courtney, would you be surprised if Drake London has a breakout season? No, I would not be. I think that they have the best skill position group in the NFC South. I think that the 
Falcons are in prime territory to do what they did in the early 2000s, which is go from worst to first. I mean, they were 7-10 and 10 last year, Tyler. They almost won the division, which really might take eight wins again to win the NFC South. That shows you just where things are down there between the Falcons, the Saints, the Bucks, and the Panthers. But I know so much that hedges on Spencer Rattler – Excuse me, uh, Desmond Ritter. Wow, my head went already to the next year's draft class. Um, and everything that hedges on Desmond Ritter would be out of it. Not all of it's going to be in his control, but he does have a great group of skill guys. Kyle Pitts in that mix, too. But, yes, I think Drake London is primed for a breakout season. I mean, last year, their, running, their rookie running back had a breakout season. Big things can happen if you put the ball in the hands of your playmakers, and that's at least what they've shown us they can do with Arthur Smith running the show down in Atlanta. I'm going to be – you may not like this answer. I, I think he broke out as a rookie. I think he showed as a rookie he's a legit player. I just don't know if they're going to throw the ball enough that he can break out statistically and have like, you know, 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns because this is a team that's going to be predicated on still running the football, especially after drafting B. John Robinson. They got an offensive line that can kick butt. They have Tyler Algier, that 1,000-yard rusher from a season ago. And with Ritter's unproven um, credentials in the NFL, Arthur Smith is going to lean into a – running a, a roster, an offense that is built to run the football, and that's what he does. That's his specialty. So I think he's already broken out. I think he's proven that he is a great wide receiver as far as efficiency. If he played in, let's say, Kansas City or play with the L.A. Chargers, play with a team that's going to throw the ball six, 700 times, he would be that type of receiver statistically. He just doesn't operate in that type of offense. So I'll say no breakout because he kind of already did it last year, and statistically he's not going to get to those numbers that would make people go, oh, wow, who's this Drake London kid? All right, playing a little Would You Be Surprised If NFC Edition. James Steele, producer extraordinaire, what's next? Tyler, would you be surprised if Christian McCaffrey goes for 1,000 yards rushing and receiving this year? I would not be surprised. Um, he is a perfect marriage to the Kyle Shanahan system and what Shanahan wants to do to create mismatches. He's just got to stay healthy, and they may have to play in a few more shootouts and not you know, beat teams so badly that he's resting in the uh, second half. But no, if Christian McCaffrey does what Roger Craig did and Marshall Falk did before him and goes 1,000, 1,000 on the ground and through the air, wouldn't shock me at all. See, I would be a little surprised by this. And I know if you're listening, you're thinking, why? They've got to you know, help Brock Purdy make the take the next step coming off of how successful he was as a rookie. Well, I look at other weapons that they have on offense, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. Like has anybody forgot that he actually plays for the San Francisco <laughs> 49ers? He's still a really good player, so hopefully they figure out how to use him properly this year. There's George Kittle in the mix, there's Christian McCaffrey. Like I just the old adage that there's one football to yeah. go around. They've got a lot of skill guys that they've got to spread the rock to. I don't see him getting a thousand, like in both categories, certainly a thousand yards rushing, but he came close to it last year with like, you know, just under, I believe it was like 800 yards receiving between the two teams, between when he was in Carolina and in San Francisco. I do not think he will get a thousand in both. All right. One more real quick. Courtney, would you be surprised if anyone but the Arizona Cardinals ends up with the number one overall pick in next year's NFL draft? No. They are not set up to win. They are tanking. They are doing this on purpose, and they are going to probably win two games. Yeah, I, I, I think no is the right answer, though. The Raiders and the Bucks, they could be pretty bad as well. Yeah. 
and you could also throw the Houston Texans into that mix because it feels like every year they're in play for the number one <laughs> overall pick until they play their way out of it, just like they did last year. Team I cover for ESPN, the Chicago Bears, and if some people think they might be in running in the running for that, certainly hope not. I don't want to cover another three-win team. <laughs> All right, straight ahead. When will the Chiefs and Chris Jones get a deal worked out? We're going to head out to Kansas City and talk with an expert next here on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com there's been no communication, so I don't, I don't know what's going to go there. But whatever happens, happens. I mean, not there. We, the game goes on, right? So that's how it works. I don't think anyone expected him not to be here now, but uh, he has stuff that he's trying to get done that he feels like he needs to, to get done right now. And so I, I respect his decision. And then whenever he gets back, like I said, we open him with, with open arms. If yeah. you take Chris Jones off of that defense, they are mediocre at best. Chris Jones remains away from the Kansas City Chiefs and the countdown to kickoff, my goodness, a couple days away, six to be exact, when the Kansas City Chiefs raise Super Bowl 57, the banner at Arrowhead Stadium before they take on the Detroit Lions. Looks as of right now that not much has changed and they will be without Chris Jones for the season opener. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Tyler Fuljum welcoming in Adam Teicher. He covers the Chiefs for ESPN's NFL Nation. And you heard Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. Earlier in the show, we heard from Travis Kelsey echoing that baby come back mantra, Adam, <laughs> about just wanting Chris Jones to be there, wanting to win a Super Bowl ring with him. The reaction to Kelsey's comments, I imagine he's not the only player who feels that way about Chris Jones. You know, I thought Kelsey's comments were very enlightening. Um, You know, the the Chiefs have a chance to do something special here. You know, they've got two in the bag now, and, uh, you know, if they keep the pedal to the metal, who knows what they can be in a few years. And, Chris Jones is a pretty good part of that, and Travis Kelsey was putting voice to what a lot of guys were thinking, that, hey, you know, wh- wh- why are you not here? You know, what the, is this about, you know, a few dollars? I mean, we've we got a chance to do something special here. So, uh, you know, the part where Kelsey said, uh, hey, I, I, you need to explain, maybe you understand, you know something about this but, uh, that I don't, because I, I don't get it. I just don't get this. So uh, I thought that was very enlightening, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, whether other guys maybe come out now, now that one of the team leaders has come out and said something about this. Adam, no doubt how important 
Jones is to that defense. As I said earlier, he, yeah. he's kind of trying to take that mantle from Aaron Donald as the best defensive interior presence in the NFL. And last year, he was certainly better than Donald uh, after Donald got hurt. Um, based on what you have reported, what you're hearing, what is the best guesstimation as to if and or when a resolution is reached here and when we can expect to see Chris Jones on the field, whether it's wearing a Chiefs uniform or another team's? Yeah, well, you know, it's you know the thing about this is that Chris Jones has a contract, so he can walk through the door at any time if he decides to end this because he's got one year left on his deal. Um, now, as far as when a deal gets done, the Chiefs have seemed to be resolved that they're not going to meet Chris Jones's number. That there's going to have to be some pretty good compromise on his part, and so far that hasn't happened. So. You know, Chris Jones, I I take him seriously in his resolve here. You know, the Chiefs were sort of surprised when he didn't show up for training camp. They didn't necessarily think this thing had gotten to that point, and here we are, uh, you know, five weeks later, whatever it is, and he's still not here. So, um, you know, it's one of those deals where the uh, um, it, it certainly doesn't look good for him playing in the opener against Detroit. Let's put it that way. But um, something's going to have to change for this to get done. Adam Teicher, Chiefs reporter for ESPN's NFL Nation, joining Courtney Cronin and Tyler Fulgham here on Joe and Amber. I want to jump back on something because what you what you alluded to with Travis Kelsey and his comments on his podcast was that there's some like there's some confusion as to why Chris Jones is not here. And it seems like that's directed more at the player than the organization that hasn't paid him. For an out, in, in re- rectified his outdated contract. Do you feel like more of the Chiefs, at least the players right now, are on the side of the organization than on the side of a player who's trying to get paid and get paid what he believes he's worth? Um, I, I don't know if I'd put it that way. I, I, you know, everybody sort of acknowledges what Chris Jones is and how much he means to the Chiefs and that, hey, more power to him to get every penny that he deserves or, or, or wants. But, um, you know, again, this is – the Chiefs sort of view this a little differently, that, hey, we got something special going on here, and uh, let's not let a few bucks get in the way of us accomplishing something that few, if any, franchises have ever accomplished. They haven't been a back-to-back Super Bowl champion in, what, 20 years now? There hasn't ever been a team that's won three straight, so uh, – you know, who knows whether the Chiefs can do either one of those things, even with Chris Jones. But um, at least they've got a shot at it. And um, to, for this to interfere with that, I think a lot of guys are puzzled by that. Adam, I heard you say just a few moments ago that it looks like Chris Jones won't be suiting up for uh, the first game of the NFL season. Less than a week from now, Thursday, they kick off in Kansas City, the Lions and the Chiefs. So a, a couple of uh, questions here contained within one big concern how many games do you think it's possible he could miss, and who and what are the Chiefs going to do in his absence to compensate for that loss? Yeah, well, I mean, he, even if he walks through the door tomorrow, do the Chiefs really want to play him against the Lions? I mean, if, if theoretically, they could throw him out there and get a few snaps out of him, and maybe good snaps, but isn't that risking a season? You know, the, the Chiefs are going to play 17 games, and they hope a few more after that. So I, I don't know that they would take that chance. So even if he shows up now, I'm not sure they would play him against Detroit, or even if they do, how much or how effective he could be. But as far as how they replace him, um, I, I, they don't really have a good solution. You know, this is not just Chris Jones missing right now. The Chiefs 
they're one of their other better pass rushers, their big defensive free agent acquisition, Charles Lemanghue, was suspended by the league for the first six games. So he's not going to be around for a while either. So this thing could look real ugly for the Chiefs with their pass rush, and that's, to me, the biggest question now. Without Chris Jones, without O'Menohue, is what, uh, how they get uh, heat on the quarterback. And it was something interesting that their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnolo, said last week. He, you know, we were asking him about um, what they were going to do without Jones and what this might look like, and he said, hey, listen, we're, we're still figuring out what we can do what we can't do, what we're good at, what we're not good at. And it may take us a few weeks to figure it out, to sort through all that and for this to look like we want it to look. So uh, that, to me, was pretty telling that they're sort of acknowledging that defensively they may not be ready when the season starts and they're not sure what it's going to look like. His production was unmatched, even within this own, his own defense. Nobody was able to top or get close to what Chris Jones did in 2022. He's got two Super Bowls under his belt, trying to get a third, but he's got to get there first. And the clock continues to tick. We'll see if the Chiefs end up caving at some point. Doesn't sound like it's going to be before week one. Adam, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time. Absolutely. Good stuff. Anytime. That's ESPN Chiefs reporter Adam Teicher joining us here on ESPN Radio. Uh, the, the Charles Omenahu thing, Omenahu thing is uh, the underrated storyline in all of this. Because remember, he suspended six games at the start of this season. And all those numbers that we've rattled off, where Chris Jones had 15 and a half sacks last year, nobody else had seven, more than seven, on the Kansas City Chiefs. Chris Jones had 77 pressures, nobody had more than 50. So... How you are able to make up what you lose, I don't think it's just as easy as, oh, okay, Patrick Mahomes is on the other side of the field. Well, maybe against Detroit, because we still don't know if this Detroit team is really going to be the team that wins the NFC North and be as good as a lot of people, myself included, are projecting them to be. But I worry about the rest of this Chiefs defense, because how many years in Kansas City have they gone through having just awful defenses? They finally get it together. They finally have a cornerstone piece and now they're refusing to pay him or at least pay him what he's worth, and they're going to potentially have to be without him for a couple of weeks, if not the whole season. Yeah, concerning for sure because not only Chris Jones and Aminahu, like you mentioned, but Frank Clark, who has you know been up and down in his career but has definitely flashed for them when it's mattered most in the postseason. He's gone now. He's a, a Denver Bronco, and he was one of those guys responsible for creating ed, uh, pressure off of the edge. Um, they're going to have to rely on George Karloftis, a guy they drafted uh, very high a couple of years ago out of Purdue uh, to generate uh, and grow his game and generate some rush. And then I think – Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are going to take a lot of the responsibility. As crazy as it sounds, they might have to score a few more points than they than they have in recent years. And I'm sure they're willing to accept that challenge. Um, so I, I wish we uh, could have kept Adam on a little uh, longer because I want to ask him about some of the other side of the ball, like Kadarius Toney. Is he going to be available in a big part of this team? Justin Ross, who was phenomenal uh, and a dominant college wide receiver, has had some injury issues, very serious injury issues with his neck and the pros. But if he's right, could he be a guy who helps replace you know Tyreek Hill and complement uh, Travis Kelsey? So maybe that's where the strategy is right now for Andy Reid and the Chiefs. He's like, hey, we're missing Chris Jones. We know the defense is going to take a step back. That's our reality. Patrick Mahomes, I'm putting the ball in your hands. We have to score 35 points a game, not just 30, uh, through this first few weeks of the season until we get 95 back. 
Well, if there's anybody you'd be confident in being able to rise exactly. to the occasion, it's number 15. <laughs> exactly. And I think a lot of people look at this and say, well, if Chris Jones isn't there, Patrick Mahomes will be able to compensate for however long he's out. I just worry about once it gets to division play and when you are facing really, really good quarterbacks, keeping that quarterback high and in the pocket is uh, that's Chris Jones's job. That's what he's very good at, and that's why he wants to get paid what he's worth. So we'll see if and when the Chiefs end up coming to a resolution with their star defensive tackle. Courtney Cronin and Tyler Fulgham with you on this pre-Labor Day weekend, Friday night. Some dumb holiday traditions. Wearing white after Labor Day. Where do you rule on this? You heard from Tyler and I earlier, Triple Eight say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Get into that, some other dumb holiday traditions, and I promise you, this is the worst motivational speech you will ever hear. You're going to hear that next on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Tune in to an American League battle on Sunday as the Astros host the Yankees coverage of Sunday Night Baseball beginning 6 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app and at 7 p.m. over on ESPN. Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio, Courtney Cronin, and Tyler Fulgham filling in for our good friends getting ready for a Labor Day weekend unlike any other. And I've got to ask you, like, antiquated holiday traditions – Ones that tell you what you can and cannot wear after a certain date. They've got to go out the window. I have never understood the Labor Day tradition, post-Labor Day, of putting all your white clothes, your white jeans. It really doesn't, like, equivalent, uh, the equivalent, or doesn't count, I guess, for, like, T-shirts, because I see a lot of people wear white T-shirts beyond Labor Day, whenever. But the whole not wearing white after Labor Day thing, Tyler, makes no (laughs) sense to me. And I'm taking a stand. I'm taking a public stand using my platform right here on ESPN Radio. Hopefully you guys are coming with me. I don't think that this should be a thing anymore. Can we retire this? Yeah, I I never subscribe to it, Courtney. I um, am a rebel when it comes to my fashion choices. So I've been wearing white post-Labor Day uh, my entire life, and I never intend to stop. Okay. So you're back here when you pack on Monday because you're going out east, moving from Vegas out to Bristol to host Daily Wager out there and do a handful of other things at the network. You're going to make sure that your white clothes, your jeans, your T-shirts, your beret, your scarf, whatever you want to wear, since you're a rebel without a cause here with your fashion sense, those things are going with you in the top of your suitcase. You're you're absolutely right, and of course I'm moving from one very different climate to the next. So going to have to find jackets and warmer, um, thicker sweaters. And I haven't worn a scarf in four years since I lived in Chicago. I I haven't worn gloves or mittens. That all that stuff is coming back. So I'll buy some white this winter when I'm in Bristol, Connecticut. You can get a discount on it if you buy it now because (laughs) it's not that cold just yet, but. We're hoping to retire that tradition, hoping that most of you listeners are at least on our side about this because I've never really understood it when it comes to Labor Day, but it always comes up every single year. So in protest, I will be wearing white jeans. I'll be having my own mini white party next week, wearing clothes that apparently are no longer acceptable (laughs) after the first Monday in September. I've never had that problem because I don't really, I've never, I never wear white. Well, that's like just a, a you problem. I'm like a heavy metal guy, so I wear a lot of black T-shirts and oh, stuff. Wow. So. Well, what if I buy you the white antithesis. jeans and like a whole white getup, and so you look like P. Diddy circa like 2002? 
Would you be in the Hamptons? No, probably. Not. White jeans just doesn't seem like a good idea for me. Uh, I, don't I was going to say, what what are people's uh, stance on white pantaloons? It's not so much the shirt. People wear a lot of white shirts or graphic tee things like that. But it's when white is on the bottom half. That's when it seems to be controversial. Why, why is that? Why is it only the bottom half? Probably because. I don't know. I mean, like, white T-shirts are so common that everybody wears them. You can wear them as an undershirt. You can wear them as, like, a normal shirt. Pants are – you don't see people. It's not like the common blue jean. Like, the white jean is a jean Mm -hmm. fabric dyed white. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's because of that. But I I I actually have a very nice white suit, like a cream-colored white suit that I wore in – I want to say in April because I think it's Memorial Day to the, like, you know, start of fall more or less, which is – Labor Day. I wore it in April, so I guess I already have rebelled against this. I've already like made my message clear. I, I have a theory as to why it's a little more controversial, and because um, you might just, spill something on it. Well, that is one thing, but you can spill on a shirt as well. However, um, on the human anatomy, there are really no things that can stain a shirt. And you, if you, I'm trying to do this as tastefully as possible, but when you wear pantalones. Um, you know, oh, that's not going. that's that's not the case. Um, right. so uh, easier to soil the pantalone than the shirt. Oh, so poop. That's what I was <laughs> yeah, that's where we're going. Here. Yeah, that yeah, is where Tyler's going here. I don't know if that's the reason why people have banned uh, it being socially acceptable to wear white after Labor Day. But your theory is one that I guess I could subscribe to. Wow. You know what I cannot subscribe to this awful speech from Jonathan Gannon, the Cardinals head coach. They have their own version, like every team does, of, you know, hey, here's the look behind the scenes, and then you don't really get to see anything. It's a series on YouTube called Cards Flight Plan. This episode called Coach and the Coordinators. Here is the newest head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, a team of men that make millions of dollars, and he stood in front of them with this questionable motivational speech welcome back who drove over here wait let me see your hands who took the bus did you have fire in your gut did you we're here for a reason don't get that twisted okay we're here for a reason to win games so if you didn't have that fire in your gut you better light the fire pretty fast be who you are. Just understand, I'm looking for f- killers. Oh. It's so bad. It's so bad. Hey! Shots. Explosives. Explosives. You can run. Good. Good. Okay. I don't know what the hell that was at the end. I guess that was him, like, giving some positive reinforcement. I assume those were drills in the background. Um, what was that, Tyler? Uh, not sure. It was a feeble attempt at motivating and at he was trying to you know play to the we got to have because we're a team that Vegas expects to win three and a half games this year we got to have that fire in our gut because we're not here to to live up to those expectations we're here to exceed them and it was ill-conceived ill-executed everything about it was substandard uh, much like I expect his football team to be this season much like we expect the Arizona Cardinals to be from top to bottom off the field and on the field 
gosh, this team has been through the ringer the last 12 to 14 months. I mean, we go back to the Kyler Murray video game clause in his contract when he signed his <laughs> extension ahead of the 2022 season. The firings, the strange stuff that happened with ownership and a former scout. It's just like weird things happen. This is not motivating in the slightest, though. I love that Jonathan Gannon, at the end of this, had to save an F-bomb to like really light yeah, his player, right. you know, light that fire, because... <laughs> Right now, it's like a flame from a match, and uh, it's just sitting there waiting for somebody to blow it out. I don't know if I have fire in my gut. I would have indigestion after listening to a speech like that in person. I would be like, is this guy serious? I am a professional athlete, and he's going to ask me if I rode the bus here, knowing fully well that we all drove our cars here. Come on. I'm, I'm looking at my phone. He lost me um, on Instagram, sliding in DMs. He slid in somebody's DM? Dinner tonight. Oh, man. Wow. Jonathan Gannon's got more going for him, I guess, than he thought. But regardless, <laughs> this team was 4-13 and last year. This earth-shattering plan he has for them to win football games, probably not going to happen with the way the roster's constructed. You heard Tyler say that the over-under there is three and a half wins. I don't even know if they even get to three. This has been the Joe and Amber Podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.